to the Everything Went Black podcast. I'd like to welcome back Gavin Van Vlack. I think this is the third time that he's been on the podcast. Uh, one was a solo episode where it was just me and him. And the other time was with uh, K1 female kickboxing champion Daria Albers. So uh, this will be Gavin's third time. This time there's a lot of stuff to report. The activity of burn and the opening of the Physical Culture Collective, which is a gym that specializes in primal movement, martial arts, and uh, all kinds of fun stuff like that. So we had a great afternoon hanging out and uh, talking, and you'll notice the uh, killer tunes in the background. Before we get started, I just want to run through all the affiliate sponsors. We have Onnit, who on a daily basis, I utilize several of their fine supplements as long with uh, things like MCT oil, hemp force protein, all that sort of stuff. And my ever-faithful Datsusara gear bag, which is something I have with me every single day as well. This podcast is also brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee. I've talked about this enough. You guys know what it is. You know where to get the coffee. SavageGoldCoffee.com. Stay gold. If you want to hit me on uh, Facebook, you can just look up either myself, Michael Hill, or the Everything Went Black Facebook page, or you can follow me on Twitter at MikeHillHQ. So I mean, we're, we're thousands of years behind the ties, though, really. I mean, hundreds, hundreds, okay. hundreds of years. Yeah, let's not get it twisted. You know, hundreds of years behind the ties. Um, thousands of years. That's. You know, that's beyond, you know, if you think in a thousand, a thousand years, in 2000 years, since like, let's, let's talk about like the birth of Christ. Let's talk about the amount of shipping manifests that have been burned and destroyed because some emperor was like, no, everything starts with me. Everybody, some, it seems like every time an emperor steps up, he gets this Pol Potish kind of concept of like, everything's, we're, we're, we're going to wipe everything out before I existed. You know, every time it's year one. So, yeah. you know, no wonder fucking, you know, we thought the earth was flat. Some people still think the earth is flat. Of actually. course, <laughs> of course they do. And, you know, and we talk to imaginary friends and, you know, everybody's got their thing, but it's like, uh, you know, and me saying, like, we talk to imaginary friends, and there's no way a slag on spirituality, but it's like when you're, you know, trying to convince your imaginary friends, your friends that your imaginary friends are better than their imaginary friends, and we have a little bit of a problem. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like we live we live on a co- absolutely convoluted planet, you know, um, 
we what were we taught in high school you know or grade school like uh you know 1492 columbus sailed the ocean blue he was you know and he discovered america discovered meaning i think no one else had been here you know when first off we already had an indigenous population that lived here you know the polynesians had been here and the chinese had been here the russians had already been yeah, here the Rus had totally. been here the vikings had been here um you know the french had been so many people in but because at the point of where was it was it Queen Isabella at that point? Had just finally taken Spain back from Muslim, you know, Muslim dominance. It was this huge, big Catholic push of like, oh, the Catholic Church is now, right. you know. And then what happened? We lurched into the fucking, you know, into you know this this juggernaut of. Catholicism of you know everything everything we do is wrong and you know you're you're forced to you know you're forced to feel guilty for no fucking apparent reason you know yeah that that's like probably the biggest cultural um, influence in our country I think yeah. it's just that even even though you know we like to think ourselves as being sort of like you know secular and not connected to any religion like a lot there's like this vibe in the country where we're still made to feel guilty for things like pleasure or creativity or... Well, absolutely. We, we, we've, you know, we're, 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 we're put under the supposed heel of, of a wrathful God, and there's a different terminology for a wrathful God. It's called a devil. Okay, if I'm to believe in an, a, a, a being that is, that's created this whole planet... You know, and created all of us, and you know those kids across the street playing in the park, and that tree. Those things are created out of love. I can't. I will. I refuse to believe in a god that is like, oh, because you're gay, I'm going to smite you, or oh, yeah. all that smiting shit is fucking out. Yeah. Know? Well, I mean that that's just uh, control. I mean, it's yeah. absolute control, and we are we're 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 given you know we're given this depiction of a boogeyman. You know, for what we're talking about, I very much believe in the Bill Hicks concept of God. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's uh, you know, and then I'm sure there's people out there who, are, oh, Gavin believes in a God. Sure, I'm entitled to. I'm allowed to believe in whatever the fuck I want. You know, I believe that my dog understands when I talk to him. You know, he doesn't really speak English. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, the reality is, I think that the reality itself is kind of a, a concept that is we're filtering. We're, we're creating our own reality. Mm -hmm. like you and I sitting here talking, it's like yeah. a construction that our brain has done. Yeah. But there are things that we're not even aware of that are going on around us. Absolutely. You know, and that's sort of the evolution of the human sensory system is that there's too much information bombarding our brains that we have to create a filter mm -hmm. in order to survive. Yeah. So with that narrow bandwidth of perception... Like, who's to say what's reality is and what's not? Like, what's imagination and what's reality? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's where, you know, when you're, you, you go into that sort of mindset, you if you allow yourself to think that way, then you kind of can see that there's more other possibilities than just yeah. like, this is wrong and this is right, this is good, this is bad. You know, even the concept of good and evil is like a... Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, I constantly concept. quote, you know, I mean, it's no big secret. Like, one of my closest friends is Tate Fletcher, and one of my favorite, one of my favorite Tate Fletcher quotes is, I'm just not that smart. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Tate yeah, Fletcher. Tate's, way, uh, yeah, Tate's, Tate's a renaissance man. I mean, he's like, you know, a really good friend of mine. Uh, you know, we've, you know, he's he's one of my go-to guys. Hey, like him... Sergio Vega, another one of my go-to guys. You know, it's like, you know, when I'm having something like mulling around in my head that I'm not quite sure of, you know, I run it past them, you know. And, uh, 
you know, you have to have people like that as sounding boards, you know, as, as like semi mentor peers that, you know, help you get through shit. And they're, you know, the big part, you know, big part of my, you know, in my development, so to speak, which is an everyday thing. Every, you know, it's like, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm one of those weirdos that believes that you should do something every day to improve your life yeah. and therefore improve the surroundings of people around you, you know? That's a, that's a really good concept, but it's a hard thing to keep in practice, though. It's, yeah. I mean, especially living in a place like New York, where I just feel like it. I feel like New York itself is like a predator. In yeah. And that you were just sort of prey existing in this, like, very predatory environment. And uh, it's, hard, it's hard to stay up, man. Honestly, it is. I mean, it, it, that in and of itself takes... That's the differential of pe- failing and succeeding is the ability... To overcome that small, that differential of staying yeah, positive. But, a lot of I mean, times. the whole thing is predator and prey. Is that you know? Then we get down to the rules of natural selection, which is our natural state, because we are not always. We're not. We're not apex predators. We're not. Yeah. You know, that's that's a, a tar load of bullshit. When even even your alpha male humanoid, okay. If you think about it, okay, we're both studying martial artists. Okay, what were the first? What were the first martial arts? Yeah. You know. Apes, you know. Well, what were the animals, what were the like first? Wolves, no, what were the first know. martial arts? Grappling. No, I think of like apes and sprinting hum- and climbing. There you go. Okay. Sprinting okay. And climbing, right? Sprinting okay. and climbing were the first martial arts. Escaping. Escaping exactly. Because okay, here's the thing. Look at human fossil remains. Look at all the studies of big human fossil remains. Where you find them? What else do you find near there? You find out that the fact that big cats love the taste of hominid. They love, you know, humans. We're not always apex predators. So for us to be like, oh, well, you know, oh, we get in this situation. It's kind of like predator and prey. That's us in our natural state. That is us in our natural state. We are prey. Okay. And that is how, and I'm not meaning to sound macho. That is how our weaknesses get sorted out. Not the weak get sorted out, but that is how we sort out our weaknesses. That's how we see like, oh, wow, I've got this character flaw that gives me a problem. Well, I stay out until 4 in the morning. Fucking 4 in the morning. That's early. 5.30 in the morning drinking every day. Wow, and it's, this city is tearing me apart. So what do you have to do? You have to shed that skin. You have to lose that. You have to modify that behavior. You have to evolve. And being in a situation where we aren't always thinking about like, oh, well, we master our domains. Now we're very much... I mean, Christ Almighty, a sinkhole could open up and gobble up those same children eating or playing across the street. You know, we are very much subject to our environment. You know, the success of the human race really has has nothing to do with mastering. It has more to do with flexibility. Really, we're we're totally we're absolutely adaptive. Yeah, and that that's that's an illusion that we're mastering anything. So I totally agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the people who actually try to master things end up getting crushed because they're not flexible. Mastery is a journey in itself, though. You know, it's like you're constantly, like I believe, you, like I say, you always try to improve. You know, I'm still trying to master this body. You know, I've had it for 48 fucking years. And I'm trying to keep it so that, you know, it's funny because I get a lot of hits about, like, people are like, oh, you know, you, you train on the road. And, like, people see that I'll bring kettlebells with me or a jump rope. Or, like, yeah. You know, I'm also blessed to know some really awesome gym owners, you know, like, you know, uh, Logan, Logan out at Deuce. Like, those guys are family. I go in there and they're always just so giving to me. Like, you know, um, there's like gyms, you know, Roxy Richardson's gym in Los Angeles. There's, you know, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Monkey Bar Gym. John and, John and uh, Jess that own that place. 
just amazing fucking people. But the fact are, the facts are, more often than not, you're in a truck stop. So what do you have to do? Yeah, you got to do it on your you own. You have man. to adapt. You yeah. have to adapt. And yeah, I'll bring kettlebells with me and I'll bring like a jump rope with me. But a lot of times, I'm like, I'll just fucking move. You know? Yeah, just keeping yourself soft, like keeping your body and not, not seized up. You yeah. Know? And like, Which is important for yeah. guys our age. Totally, man. Our age of the game, we have to continue to move. Yeah. Because if we don't, that's where everything starts to degrade. But I started working with this, because um, you know, I, I just had another injury my ankle. I got a severe deltoid sprain, interior deltoid sprain in my ankle, which I'm just now mm-hmm. sorting out. But uh, I've been working with Fabian Garcia. I don't know if you know him or not. I know the name. Yeah, he, he trains at Coban's too. But I, he was on the podcast a few episodes mm-hmm. ago. And his whole thing is like, you know, rotation of like those capsules, like those joint capsules. Yeah. So I've been doing like pails and rails every day and yep. all this like, you know, like rotating all my joints and specifically my injured ankle. And, I, and the, the healing process, it just gets all that synovial fluid and everything sort of changing out and you know the blood flow and like but superimposing that over the rest of my body the last tour i went on i start i still carried through all that pails and rails movement in the morning and mm-hmm. i had very little time to actually do like legit workouts every yeah. day but when i got home i was like perfectly fine like, absolutely right you, know, you know as well as anybody sitting in a fucking van oh, you know four to eight hour drives sometimes if you're lucky yeah you know, and it's like this last tour that we were out with Bane, I was like, it was funny because I was constantly texting back with my coaches, you know, with you know Naomi Cook's on, Jennifer Livingston and uh, Zach Dumb constantly. And they're like, how's it going? I'm like, I have not spent this much time in shoes and sitting in oh, forever. Yeah. Totally. You know, so yeah, I would get out at truck stops and gas stations and this, that and the other thing. And you know, move, you know, I would do like when I could get on a, on a piece of grass, I would do like, you know, original strength resets. Um, you know, I would do Verstegen fucking movement prep. I would do anything just to keep moving. And it's really important, you know, cause that's one of the things it's like flying. When you fly a lot, you get, you know, your hips get fucking. Oh man, it wrecks me whenever yeah. I fly. Cause yeah. like when I fly, it's always like, I mean, you know, you guys are going to Europe. So it's yeah. always, it's always like a, a you know, across the Atlantic Ocean, mm-hmm. time changes, like all the weird pressure differentials and you're going up in the air. Yeah. You know, like dehydration, like all that shit, man. Yeah. When I get off a plane, I'm wrecked, man. It's yeah. terrible. It's the worst thing. Yeah, it's not, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that we have to, as an adult, as a responsible adult, we have to, that, you know, that, that's one of those things that we have to maintain, you know? Um Especially because, you know, I play a very physical form of music. And part of that is, you know, the output on stage, which is, you know, I break a sweat on stage. It's no, it's no, you know, it's no secret. And, uh, you know, I have to, if I want to continue doing that and be able to do that, because that's where I'm performing my best, I have to keep that mobility. So... There's been a lot of activity recently with with uh, with Burn. Burn, yeah. Yeah, so what, all right. Yeah, Burn. Most people who are listening to this podcast are familiar, obviously, with who Burn. Yeah, with the importance of them in the sort of uh, you know pantheon of New York hardcore and hardcore music in general. Yeah. So you guys have been inactive for about fifteen couple, years. Yeah, like fifteen years. Yeah. So what was the motivation for uh, writing new music? Um, it's I. Anytime I like when when we redid when we redid Absolution, we had written new music. You know, there was stuff that we had wanted to we wanted. Um, 
Chuck and I were both very much like we didn't want to go about it. A lot of there's a lot of bands that and, they, and the term is legacy act, I guess. Oh, they come out and they're playing, they're living off the back catalog, and we want to make this sustainable. In order for it to be sustainable, we can't just play the the material that we put out. That's not honest. Um, we need to, and as an artist, I feel I want to. I don't think that Burn had ever really done the full potential of what it was capable of doing. So. Chalk and I were both very, very adamant about like, well, we want to write new material, we want to put out new recordings, and uh, I mean that was like what we did with this new, the new EP that's on on Noisy. Yeah. We you know with Bridge and I, we were like, okay, well, there's two, there's two that songs that were not recorded on there, um, and then there's one other song that's brand new that um, we you know we basically I I had written it. Probably about two months before we went to the studio, and we, you know, I threw the, threw the music at Chaka. Chaka had put the vocals down to it, and I was really impressed with the fact that he never, we never fully rehearsed that song as a band. He went in and dropped those vocals like, bam, that was it, you know. It's and impressive, man. He's just, I mean, it's so funny because he's such a driven individual. Of like when he gets this focus, it's laser, it's laser focus, and he's really, really, you know. He knows what he wants to do and how he wants to go about it. And that's one of the joys in working with him is there's always there's this consistency. Um, but we wanted to put that out because we're doing this new record, which is going to be probably a 90% brand new music. Awesome. You know, um, there's going to be a couple songs on there that were that are previously released. And there might be one or two songs that are unreleased because we're still digging through the files and like looking at stuff. And there's stuff I look at and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that really works for what we want to do and where we want to go with this. Um, so the stuff that's available streaming through Noisy, yeah, uh, that, that premiered like a couple weeks ago, yeah. And uh, so that there are physical copy of that's going to be available, right? Yeah, we're putting that's coming out on Bridge Nine. Um, okay, the, actually, that was for the, that that what that was to do. We put that out so people would be aware of it, and if they would do the pre-order, the pre-order sold out in a day. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, um, yeah. you know, and they're we're, they're going into repress already. Um, they're probably. I mean, it's it's really we're really amazed at how well received it was. Because quite honestly, I'd be amazed to be like, oh, well, well, don't you think it was going to be big? Well, no, I like the music, but I could be nuts. Yeah. I listened to it and I'm like, wow, this is fucking great. And then we had, we sent the, uh, we sent the tracks to get mixed because Machine did the mixing on it, the mixing and mastering. And it came back and I was like, holy fuck, this sounds incredible. But then I always go like, okay, but you could be nuts, you know? It, the recording sounds great, even even on like listening to it in like you know in a less than ideal format. Yeah, still sounds great. You know? Yeah, and uh, it's weird because you don't know how it's going to be accepted. We've been really fortunate. Um, I mean, a lot of the cards have been in our favor. Like I said, we went out on this tour with Bane, and which those guys were just so fucking cool the whole time. Like, uh, just they they took us. It was us, Bane, and Axis, which is this band out of Florida who I fucking love, 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 love. They're, they, to me, I mean, if you haven't heard Axis out, they're out of, they're out of like the Tampa Bay, Petersburg area. Um, quite honestly, if you're a fan of like that black flagish swans, oh, okay. dead guy, yeah. kiss a goodbye style, these guys are masters. Axis. They're the sweetest guys in the world, but you listen to their music and you swear to God they have vats of muriatic acid in their garage <laughs> with bodies decomposing in it. They're fucking 
they are one of the just so they're so meticulous and so heavy. I gotta check that out. Yeah, then. it's kind of like up my alley, really. Yeah, yeah, they're Axis. fucking. They're so good at what they do, and uh, we're playing. We're actually doing. A, we're playing with them at Rainfest in Seattle. I'm really looking forward because you know you're touring. You bond with people. Yeah, and uh, a couple of days. Ago, yeah, and it's like you know the us us band, and it's funny because band like it was weird because band really. They kind of came up after us, and they really looked up to us as a band. We're one of them. It's kind of obvious, like that we've had an influence on them, and yeah. it's gone beyond like the old whole like you know oh they're 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 like our they're, they very much became family, like Zach, uh, Bernard, all those guys, Bobby, Delic, all of them are fucking family. You know, it's like it's one of those things that we bonded so tightly on the road over. Um, and that's kind of cool. I mean, that's what I love about this music and what we do. And every night, like, they would just bring it. You know, they just would bring it. We played we played Houston the night of the, the day of the flood. Oh, right. Okay. And there were kids there that literally had to swim to safety earlier that day. That showed up at that show. And it's Dedication, right? Yeah, the room yeah. wasn't full. But I, mean, I remember we were sitting in uh, San Antonio... We played the San Antonio show, which was fucking amazing. And uh, the next day, we're getting hits like, hey, you know, Houston's underwater. You might want to think about, you know, taking the route out of, to, up to Dallas, going through Shreveport to get yeah. to New Orleans. And uh, we kind of sat in a holding pattern over coffee, and we're kind of sitting and waiting and sitting and waiting. And Bobby from Bain hits us and goes like, hey, I got a call from the promoter. He says that the club's good. He goes, it's precarious do we want to do this and i'm like fuck man not in the mood to sit on my fucking hands for the day yeah i mean there are kids who you yeah. know probably had tickets already and you know oh, absolutely going, and that's so, the thing yeah. too as a new yorker you know and I, I don't want to belittle new yorkers in any way but we are constantly falling back on the thing of like you know oh hurricane sandy there's very few people in my opinion that can bitch about hurricane sandy in new york you know what no who can bitch about hurricane sandy in new york Chris and Sarah Romala, who own Crom, they lost everything. You know who never bitches about Hurricane Sandy? Chris and Sarah Romalo, who own Crom Physical Culture. Yeah. Okay, but New Yorkers, we constantly talk about like, oh, 9-11 and Hurricane Sandy. Yo, motherfuckers in Corpus Christi and Houston, they live in that shit all the time. Oh, yeah. Nola, they live in that all the time. Fuck that, go to Beirut. Motherfuckers are getting their fucking buildings blown up on a regular basis. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know? Yeah. We we get the bar, the playing field leveled, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're heroic. No, no, you're just getting, you're living in the modern century. That is what it is. That was you know? kind of the the trip that, that's the first thing I thought about, like, when, when back in 9-11 happened, about how, like, that, that level of intensity is something that Israelis have to deal with and Palestinians have, have to, to deal, deal with, with all the time. And when that happened during that phase, the was, Javanese, the Javanese, all the way through the Philippines, all of, they deal with that on a regular basis. Yeah, it's like part of their everyday life, everyday existence. Yeah, down in Juarez, Mexico, people would live deal with live, live with that all the time. But we're we we think we're heroic. Yeah. We think, and I'm not trying to take away like the deaths that happened or make any light of that. But we think we're so heroic because we went through it once. You know, we went through it once. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? The heroes to me are the people that get the fuck over it and make a better life. And that's why I will point out Chris and Sarah Romalo. Because you know what? They lost their fucking... The they lost thing. everything. Yes. And they fucking came back. And they came back stronger. And they came back to help enforce a weakened community. 
That's fucking real. Didn't they, they, had a, they had a smoker like last year, didn't they? They had a smoker a couple weeks a couple ago. Weeks ago I ref right? that. Yeah, yeah okay, it was yeah. great. That's great. It was yeah. fucking great. You know? I love those people. They are family. That's what I love about the martial arts community. It's like, more or less, we're all family. Even the ones even the ones you don't like, you're family with them. Because we're all bond, we're all bound by this one thing, you know? So the tour was good. The tour was amazing. And it was uh, awesome. Was it primarily like an East Coast, like South, South, Eastern? No, no. We drove out. We drove out to the West Coast. We started in Santa Cruz. Oh, uh, drive. Yeah, we drove out. Uh, we hit Santa Cruz, Berkeley, uh, Santa Ana, Los Angeles. Well, uh, the Union in uh, Los Angeles, Santa Ana Observatory. Drove to uh, Mesa, Arizona, the Nile Theater. Love that place. We had four we had four shows in Texas. Then we weren't supposed to play in New Orleans because the promoter didn't have enough money to meet our guarantee. But we said fuck it. Yeah. And we were like, we'll sell some T-shirts, sell some merch, and we'll play to some people. And it was funny because there were people that showed up at that show. They were like, well, we weren't going to come, but we heard on the last minute you played. You're playing. We had two people that canceled their flights back to New York to see us there. You know. And then we did the Hella Drive to St. Petersburg, which was fucking amazing. Yeah, I've done that. That drive venue, before, yeah. but that venue, that that fucking club, and those fucking people were so fucking awesome, so worth it. And then uh, we did the drive straight from St. Petersburg back to New York. Uh, drove straight through Thursday, got in on Friday morning. Um, and I, you know, the other guys, they're laid up. Chaka was here earlier. He's getting stuff together. We leave Tuesday night for Europe. So how long is that European tour? Europeans just it's a we're out there for a week. Oh, okay, you know, um, mostly mainland or UK or we're doing uh, mostly Germany. We're playing playing Rock and the huge festival. Yeah, festival, and then so. we're doing a, a show in London, a small show in London that Vice is sponsoring. Oh, cool. Yeah, great. Um, we didn't look. We you know it's. It's really kind of odd because people are looking at us like, and it's like I said, they're going back on the New York hardcore legacy of, oh, burn New York hardcore. But we just always, we've never been, we've always been kind of iconoclastic about things, and we've never considered ourselves to be a regular kind of band, you know, hardcore band, so to speak. Um, And we're treating it very much on this tour. Like, people are like, oh, why are you guys opening for Bane? Because Bane's fucking huge. And they've been you plugging know? away for years. Exactly. And it's funny because we, we played some shows where, like Los Angeles, I think maybe 25% of the room knew us. But by the time we got done, 85% of the room liked us. You well, know? The, first, the first time around, the first go around, I think, I think even you mentioned it on one of our earlier podcast episodes, that you guys never actually made it out to the West no. Coast. So this, this is like probably the first yeah. time as burn is yeah well we had we actually had done like some west coast shows a couple months ago we did los angeles uh gilman street uh you know santa Ana. we did like some shows in that area um but this time we went out and we did it again and it was like it was really interesting because the kids that are playing with bane that come to see bane a lot of them don't know who we are or they might have heard of us but they're not really aware well they weren't active you know? yeah a lot of the younger kids um, yeah. and we're getting offered tours now from some other bands that are like like turnstile who's they're a hardcore band they're huge okay. they're fucking huge but i'll tell you what i don't think a lot of the kids know who they who we are and that's the cool thing is that music transcends well and i think that what burn does carries over a lot well I never thought Burn fit the mold of like the typical hardcore band. I mean, you, know, you yeah. just said that, but even even more so, like on the new recordings on the EP I listened to recently, um, 
you know, there's like, you guys have your own sort of sound, which pulls from a variety of different um, influences. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just, okay, this sounds like something that was recorded in like the late 90s or, yeah. you know, I can hear all kinds of cool guitar stuff going on and, and like, you know, some of it almost like the very, the first track reminds you of like the Rollins band or something. There's like this kind of slow, like groove, you know, yeah. like just like uh, something that might've been off of like End of Silence or something. Yeah. You know? And then there's other things. I don't know. I was really big on sort of like those noisier hardcore bands in the late 90s, like Coalesce and all that. Yeah. Not as not as crazy, but there's like some Jesus Lizard. Weird, oh, that stuff was, that yeah. was, that you know, like I always loved Dwayne Dennison's guitar. Yeah. Um, I think Dave Sardi is an absolutely underrated Bark guitarist. Market. Bark Market yeah. is fucking like, you know. I'm astounded that John John Nolan hasn't been hasn't been playing with anybody because he's I mean he's a, he's friend he's friends with my girlfriend and like you know it's like I, I'm like this guy's such an amazing bass yeah player, totally right? man. you know um but yeah that that whole and it wasn't even the music it's the feel behind it I like shit when it's I like shit when it's gritty to me music should make you want to do one of two things or both of them at the same time fuck it or kill it you know. And I'm not trying to just be shock value here, but music should either make you feel absolute fucking love or this rage and fury or a combination of both, which is also very possible. You know, it's just like my, my own comical way is like, you know, fuck it or kill it. And that's like, you know, when you hear music and it just hits you like that, it's like, you know, like, you know, as a musician, I'll hear something and I'll be like, it either makes you want to write the fucking best song in the world or quit music altogether, you know? And yeah, definitely. Like, um, and I love music when I hear that. I mean, people are, I get asked a lot, like, you know, what, you know, when you write, what do you, I don't, I don't focus to write a, like a certain, like, um, if you look at novelists, I didn't, Cohen being like, I'm going to write this song. The song more or less kind of falls into place and writes itself. Uh, I just, you know, it's like, I'm, and I'm not trying to sound like some kind of like, Ooh, it just, you know, it, it comes to me as like, you know, some kind of apparition. It's uh, it, like, as you can see, we're, we're surrounded by guitar gear. Yeah. You know, um, my work ethic is very much like that Stephen King work ethic of, Amateurs sit around and wait for inspiration. Yeah, you just make it happen. Right? Yeah, I, I just fucking get up and do work. You know, and maybe I'll write something that today I don't like, but I'll listen to it in a week and I'll be like, hold it, no, that works with this. Yeah, that's a good you point, know? man, because I, I'm kind of on that same page because pretty much at least four nights a week, I sit in my room and I have my guitar out mm -hmm. and I play something for like an hour. Yeah. And it might suck. Most of the time, it's not something I like. Yeah. <laughs> But then, like, maybe a year later, and this is, has happened before, I'll be going through all these miscellaneous MP3s and bullshit that I have, and yep. I'll find one little section that's the section I need to put in the new song. Absolutely. I'm so, Absolutely, yeah. you know, and it's like, like the old saying, a writer writes. Um, you know, it's in the application, and people like, oh, you know, I, I've heard people, oh, oh, well, to get inspired, I have to, you know what, I got one, I got one way to inspire you. Very easy. We don't have the time to sit around and wait for inspiration. There you go. We are here for a finite window. Yeah, man. And I'm trying to write. If I can write a piece of music that stops some young girl or some young young guy from eating a bullet, you know, that makes someone listen to the music and go like, oh my God, I'm in love. 
You know, that's what I want people to do. I want people to fall in love. Yeah. Not with each other necessarily. It's the same way reason I, you know, I work in the fitness industry. I want people to fall in love with movement. I want people to fall in love with jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. And I want people to fall in love with themselves and be like, oh my God, this is great. You know, that like, you know, I, I, I want this to be part of my life. And when I have a kid come up, I mean, it's I, my favorite. My favorites are the kids that come up to me afterwards, and you can only see them at the beginning of the show because they're scoping your pedal board. Yeah, they want to yeah. open it. They want to see what out. you use it, no. and it's kind of neat. And they'll come up to you afterwards, and they'll say, and, and, and it's nerd shop, you know? Yeah. And it's like you start talking about and and you see these kids' eyes light up, and it's like, you know, when you start, you're talking to them, and they're like, it's like, oh, well, you know, oh, you're the reason I started playing guitar. And I'm not just talking about me particularly. I'm sure any number of, like, you know, you know Paris from the fucking Cro-Mags, like how many guys fucking heard him playing were like, oh, God, I want to be like that. You know, um, there's so many guitarists out there that are like that. Doug Holland, who's one of my favorites. You know, I think Doug Holland, Doug Holland was one of the guys who brought musicality to hardcore in New York. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, agree with that. You know? And, uh, you know, but I'll list, listen to them and be like, you know, and they'll, they'll list off like their influences. And usually what I'll do is I'll go a little bit outside that and be like, Hey, why don't you check out, you know, let's say, let's say someone who's totally not hardcore, Denny Diaz from Steely Dan. Yep. You know, technical master, um, Jeff Beck, oh, one yeah, of my all time favorites, yeah, a, you know, a, you know um, master of the guitar. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Billy Gibbons. Dude, Billy Gibbons is yo fucking ZZ Top. Man. Billy Gibbons was Hendrix's favorite guitarist. Yeah, dude. You know, yeah. and I actually have that strat right there at the end. The body I got from Billy Gibbons. It's an older body. Oh no shit. Um, yeah, Billy Gibbons is one of my favorite guitarists. He's got so much soul in his playing. Um, you know, and then just outside of that, just I mean, I don't listen. I try not to listen when I'm writing. I try not to listen to a lot of guitar music. I listen to like a lot of reggae dub and a lot of like ambient house music. Oh, okay. You know? Um, but, uh, yeah, and it's it's really interesting because I, you know, what we have is hard, and hard and the hardcore scene is really beautiful, but I want it to expand. I don't want people to be more fearless. And I want people to not get caught up in the idea that, like, well, I have to do this to be hardcore. Hardcore and everybody, I believe that everybody from myself to fucking Hoya and DMS, to Dan O'Mahony from Done Dying, to, you know, my boys in Europe will say, hardcore comes from the heart. Express your heart. Express, you know, it's like, you don't have to, you're like, oh, well, I, everything I do has to sound like uniform choice. If that's what you love, then that's fine. But I, I'm a big fan of people finding their own voice through music. In concept. Yeah. But primarily for me, I I, uh, I don't really see eye to eye with hardcore necessarily, just because of that reason we just discussed. How yeah. it really is, you're sort of stuck in this box a lot of times, where in order to be accepted by your typical fan, it has to sound this way or have mm-hmm. this subject matter and the material and the writing and that sort of stuff. So motherfuckers hate change, baby. Yeah, motherfuckers you know. hate change. Um, you know. I mean, I've, you know, I've always just freedom really is what I've been sort of behind in music. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel like in punk and hardcore and that stuff really isn't, isn't really about freedom in a lot of ways. You no. Know? I mean, but there are bands like Burn that, I, I mean, and I'm not just saying that because you're sitting in front yeah, of me. Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, mean, primarily why, you know, why I, we talk, talk about Burn because I, I do respect the work that you guys have done, you know, even, you know, back in the day because yeah. it was something that wasn't typical. 
One of the biggest compliments I got was from Mike Dijon when we released the record. He shot me a text. And uh, I don't know if you don't know who people don't know who Mike Dijon is. Go out and check him out. Um, he's played with, oh God, a Crown of Thorns, Breakdown. He's such yeah. a great guitarist, such a great, just a, a songwriter. He's just a great person. And he reached out to me. He goes, oh my God. He goes, that music, that new release, the songs, they're just free. They're so reckless. They're so beautiful. And I was just like, that hit me so hard in the heart. I was like, oh my God. Those, those three words together just, oh God, felt so good. Because I don't want to... You know, and I know that there's, you know, there's diehard Burn fans who love their first EP, and I just wish for them to get uncaught up on things that they, like, fictitious things of the past, and, like, they think about, you know, like, oh, back in the day, yo, man, 10 years from now, this is back in the day, and don't let this minute slip by. And it's okay to love what you love, but it, the best thing to do is to expand on what you love and develop that love. And, you know, it's, and not exclude. There's no, in my, God, in my life, there's no room for exclusion. Um, you know, it's like, I just don't, I've been excluded a lot. By, and I'm not being, trying to fucking play any kind of pity trip, but I think all of us kind of ended up in like the underground music scene because we didn't feel like we didn't fit in with the, the, the typeset teenagers and all that. And we felt like, you know, hold it. There's something different here. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to listen to Huey Lewis in the news and drink <laughs> fucking drink my dad's beer and all that yeah. crap. Um, and we felt excluded. So we found a way to band around this, this style of music. And there was the greatness in this music is that it's, it's so and it's so expansive, and you think about how it's been such an influence. If there wasn't for hardcore, modern metal wouldn't... And I'm not saying, oh, modern metal is bullshit. Modern metal is fucking amazing. But I'll, I got three letters for you. D-R-I. Yeah. If it wasn't well, for fucking D-R-I, there would be no Slayer. Yeah, well, that, that influence... Or Slayer in that Absolutely, sense, man. I mean, you that's... Know? You know, that, that was the bridge. Like, that era. Like, yeah. bands like D-R-I and Black Flag, Suicidal, um, you know... Bad Brains. Yeah. Like, that was the bridge between Judas Priest and Slayer. You yeah. Know, or Iron Maiden and Slayer was like... Yeah. I mean, and you even... You can go back and, and you talk to... You see pictures of Metallica all rocking, like, Misfits t-shirts. Yeah. And Sam Hain and bands like that. Yeah. I mean, that really... Yeah, that's exactly where metal... That that was the beginning of where metal is now. Yeah. And that all came primarily from punk and hardcore. GBH, like, mm -hmm. that was like the bridge. You know, crossover material, you know? Absolutely. And it's like, you know... You know, carnivore, and, like bands like that. In my opinion, you know, hardcore punk is an American amalgamation. And people will say like, oh, well, Britain and this, that, and the other thing. Yo, when the Brits were all paisleyed out in 1986, there was some noise going on in Detroit that fucking put the world on its fucking ears. You know, yeah. the Stooges and MC5. Absolutely. To me and my, my, my New York own, Dolls. Yep. My, well, my own opinion is the Stooges and MC5, because New York Dolls were still really rock and roll. Yeah, but you know? they... But I think that I think that like it started in Detroit. It started in the heart of the heart of the U.S. You know, New York can't claim it. You but know? as far as like an influence on Britain, yeah. I mean, the New York Dolls and the Ramones. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Oh, they are the Ramones. Yeah. Huge influence on the Brits. Yeah. Huge influence on the Brits. And I, I mean, and I, you know, it's like I, I. Some people will probably burn an effigy of me for this, but I was never a huge Ramones fan. They have a couple songs I like. I'm not a huge fan. 
I think that for me, because the Ramones were the very first punk style show I've ever seen. So yeah. that experience is burned in my consciousness for the rest of my time on yeah. this planet. I saw some great Ramones shows. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. I, and I've seen the Ramones. Like one of my old bands played a week of shows with them like, yeah. in, back in the 90s and it was amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I recognize how important they are as yeah. far as like in the history of music. But yeah, absolutely. Black Flag is way more meaningful to me. Oh, to me, yeah, absolutely. You know, the Stooges are way more meaningful yeah. to me. You know, yeah, for sure. You know, um, but that's you know that's it's one of those things, and it's like all I'm trying to do really is on a daily basis trying to heal myself like by writing music. I, it's like it's one of those things that like you know playing these shows. It's every every show it became more and more apparent of you know my love for what I do and my how fucking awesome it is that I get to do it it's like you know one one of my closest friends is you know Craig from Sick of It All he's a training partner of mine and we talk about this stuff you know and it's like because we get questions all the time like especially with dealing with the more you know I'm 48 years old I still do martial arts I teach Muay Thai I teach Jiu Jitsu um, you know and I play in a band and people are kind of, I get this, some, some people like, well, you know, when, when are you going to grow up? I'm like, well, I'm making a living doing this shit. My, you know, my life isn't slack at all. Like, you know, I've, I'm surrounded by really awesome people. You know, I make a decent living to be able to support both business. Both of these things are businesses. Yeah. And all I can say is to other people is why aren't you living more daring? You know, why not? You well, know? that's, yeah, man, that, that's a big hurdle for a lot of people is when the door opens for whatever period of time it opens, it's like some people are scared to step through the door and some people step through the door fearless, fearlessly. And I think that it, in this day and age, because of what we were talking about earlier, about this sort of like, you know, Christian, you know, Judeo-Christian world we live in where it's like, you're, this is wrong. You're supposed to suffer and be unhappy and, you know, not feel pleasure and not be creative. And like turn the wheel, turn the crank in this machine and never live for yourself. Everything that you're supposed to do is supposed to have some relevance towards, you know, this greater machine that's like you're playing part of. We're supposed supposed to suffer because Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. That's why. Because he suffered. No. Know what Jesus Christ should be remembered for? For being of service to other people. Because that's what we're supposed to do. If you're going to be Christ-like, it is not to be, oh, well... I'm nailed to this fucking cross. Yeah. Get no, get off the cross. Build yourself a stepladder and get the fuck over yourself and start being of service to other people. That's how you're fucking remembered. That's no. If there's a Christ, that's how I like to remember him. The guy, yeah. the guy who you could feel like, hey, yo, Jesus, I need some help. Can you can you, can you help me out with this? I have to move this cart. Can I get a hand? You know. Hey, Jesus, I got to go into the store. Can you watch my dog for me? Sure. That's the Jesus I want to remember. Not the Jesus who was nailed to the cross by the establishment who was, you know, martyred just like fucking, you know, let's look at our martyrs. Jesus Christ. Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was canonized because fucking the king, the king of France realized that he'd have no legitimacy if he had won his crown from a heretic. You know, so they canonized that 18 year old girl who they burned at the fucking stake. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. 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 So, you know, don't come at me with your fucking Bibles and your fucking Korans and all your words of man. Those are not words of God. 
They are exactly words of man. They are I mean, words some, of man. Someone wrote that down. Exactly. There's no manifestation exactly. of anything. So don't yeah. come at me with that and say like, oh, the Lord says this. No, you're saying this. And if it's fucking hate speech, my Lord does not speak hate speech. Well, something important you just mentioned was like being in service to your society. But probably the biggest thing you can do to be of service to everyone else is actually be happy and enjoy mm-hmm. what you're doing. Because, you know, you see a lot of misery around you and it just creates this negative vibe that yeah. affects you. Like, Oh, it's, inf- it's infectious. Yeah. It's absolutely infectious. You're totally right, dude. Yeah. You know, and it's like if you, if you have an environment where everyone is, you know, more or less happy, like, you know, pursuing something that makes them feel good. And I'm not saying, you know, everyone has to be, you know, these free-spirited people. You know, that there, there is work yeah. things, there's unpleasantness that you have to go through. But if you don't, if you can find a way to make your life happier, it affects the rest of the surroundings around you and everyone. And there's, there'll be less of this kind of negative vibe that you feel in a lot of places, you know. I mean, this, like I was saying, I, I refer to New York as a predatory predator system yeah. here. You know, and I know it's hard, man. I know it's hard to live in this, this city, in this world, and, you know, not do something that you don't want to do, you know. But... It's kind of how you approach that. If you like change your perspective or if you add something else to your life that gives you pleasure or helps you relieve those tensions or something. So you're not just this ball of negative energy all the time. I think that's yeah. really a way of being in service to other That's people. why we do what we do. I mean, could you imagine us without, without Muay Thai or without Jiu Jitsu? We'd be no, miserable. No, totally. And that's what I want. I mean, the main mission and what I do with like Physical Culture Collective was... You know, I want to get people, I don't, I mean, do I want to have a fight team eventually? Sure, I would love to have a fight team. That's not my main goal. My main goal right now is to build a community of people that are fucking, that that gather around this concept of like, hey, we have this really, really cool version of play, which is Muay Thai, which is Jiu Jitsu, Mm -hmm. which is our version of strength training, you know, and they want to bring their friends into it because it's that cool. You know, and they want to bring other people to it because it's that cool. Or, or they come in with no friends and they leave with a bunch. That's the best. That um, Actually, the last time we spoke, this is prior to, uh, to the spot opening up, the yeah. Culture Collective. So, um, so where is that located and like, how did that whole thing come together? Um, we're, at, we're at 857 Broadway and Locust in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Lovely, glamorous Bushwick, Brooklyn. I love this neighborhood, actually, because vibrantly, artistically, and musically, there's so much going on here. Um, I'm not talking facetiously. I actually, I, I, you know, I love the having the business out here because, and I'm a Lower East Side kid. Um, it reminds me a lot of what the neighborhood used to be like there. Uh, we originally were part of a larger conglomerate that we were trying to do a bigger gym. We were working with several other trainers, and... Uh, it was weird because we were doing a lot of the development and we were doing like, we had the coaches and like also, and it seemed like no one else was really moving forward. And I went to the investors. I was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was hearing all this, like, Oh, we're going to compete. We're going to, you know, we're going to compete with this company and this company. And they're talking about companies that are really have a lot more. I'm not going to mention names. that yeah. have a lot more experience and a lot more fucking financial power than we had. Um, and I just started to smell bullshit and I started to smell a lack of integrity and what was going on. And I was like, no, I don't think I want to do this with these people. So I kind of hemmed and hawed and I was thinking about moving to the West Coast. I got offered a couple like really, really cool fucking spots out there. Um, Friends of mine in San Diego and Los Angeles and like some really good stuff. 
and it's kind of cool because it still stands. But I had two clients of mine, uh, Debbie and Alec. They were they were training one day, and Debbie said, "Hey, our motorcycle guy has a space upstairs from his shop that could be perfect for you." And uh, anybody who knows the history in the past decade of uh, Bushwick, it used to be the old uh, Lounge Nine, which was a notorious after-hour strip club. <laughs> and uh, I went up, I went up the stairs, and I walked in. I looked at it, and I fell in love. I was like. Oh shit! This is gonna be so fucking cool, and uh, I brought my team in, and they were looking at me like I was insane, except for one of them, Rabbit, Rabbit, who's one of our one of our interns who's turning into a coach. Let's get Carlos Saldana. We call him Rabbit, and uh, like I went in the next day, and Rabbit came in with me, and he started ripping the stages out. Like this kid went fucking. He was like seventeen years old at the time, just fucking ape shit, just doing demo, and we turned that place around into like a really really cool facility and we have a very different approach from uh what i think a lot of people are doing in new york or a lot i have a good peer group in new york and they're kind of we're all on the same page but what a, a lot of what is very in fashion right now isn't really what gets shit done um you follow hockey at all no. Okay. You no. know who Wayne Gretzky is. I don't know. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, I don't. Wayne Gretzky yeah, is. Exactly. Yeah. I don't follow hockey whatsoever. Yeah. Gretzky said something very, very important. A good hockey player skates to where the puck is. A great hockey player skates to where the puck's going. Okay. And the people that are getting things done and that are being progressive in the, what I would call the physical culture and movement community are moving towards where that puck is going. And I'm talking about people like Jason C. Brown, John Hines, um, Steve Steve Holliner, Coach Fury, who's an old hardcore kid, very good friend of mine, James Newman. Um, God, there's I have so many really fucking amazing coaches out there. Uh, Logan Galbrecht out at, out at Deuce. Um, these people are there... It's not just about like it's gone beyond the whole thing. Like, face it, let's be real. Everybody wants to look good, and that yeah, is kind of, of the reason we all go to gyms and yeah. so on and so forth. Um, but when you can send someone out moving and feeling better, you know, I think we're starting to see the end of which is good. The, the end of the extreme workout of like. You know, and I'm not going to say the brand, but like, you know, the, the beat yourself into the ground workout where you're, you're smoked for three or four fucking days because the science is in on that and there's diminishing returns. Um, yeah, lactic acid buildup. Yeah, well, I mean, lactic like, acid, you know, that's, like, they've even got the science wrong on lactic acid. You know, that's, that's, that's a whole different, like the body, basic lactic acid is a fuel. We've, you know, okay. we've got, oh, lactic, lactic acid. Oh, well, that's, that's why my muscles are stiff. No, your muscles are stiff because of microtrauma. It's a whole different, different thing. Um, so, so let me jump in real quick because, yeah. um, you know, some people might not understand exactly what this whole, you know, physical culture movement phenomenon yeah. is. They might just be thinking about doing deadlifting and bench presses and arm curls and things well, like that. it's physical culture to agree. Yeah, you, but you, I mean, this is like a Physical new, culture sort of is a lot more than that. It's, 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 um... When it's an everyday thing, when you're, you know, like you're, you're conscious of what you're eating, you're conscious of your sleep habits, you're conscious, yeah. you're conscious of your stress management, like things that are going to, like you know, and the physical culture isn't just about, you know, the physicality of it. Because here's the thing, this pseudo-Descartian ethic of like I think therefore I am. That's great. The brain is wonderful, but the brain doesn't work without the body, and the body doesn't work without the brain. So if you let one fall off. The other will follow. 
Absolutely. The scientific studies are in that physical culture helps neurological response and helps neurological activity. And that's one of the reasons that we have people are, you know, getting onset Parkinson's and Alzheimer's because of neurological deterioration. It's the same reasons we have, you know, guys our age who are, you know, and this is one of the candid things I have with male clients all the time. And it, it kind of takes them off guard when I ask them, like, when you wake up in the morning, do you wake up with an erection? If you're not waking up, I don't care what age you are. If you're not waking up with an erection, that's the first sign of low testosterone. And that is curable without a pill. Yeah. See, now that's, that's something, because you see all this stuff, like all this, you know, that as soon as like low T started becoming something that people were concerned about, there was a pharmaceutical response to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, there's a, and there's a pill for that pharmaceutical response too. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem is that, oh, well, we have a pill for that, but I have this really bad side effect from it. Oh, well, yeah. we have a pill for that too. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, you know? just get stuck As, in that rabbit hole. And the problem yeah. is you know, that we're encouraged to be lazy. You know, I've gotten guys into, where are you doing? Move. <laughs> Whenever he goes in the bathroom, he's, he's up to no good, huh? Yeah, I don't trust you. <laughs> um, you know, with the low, lower testosterone, I've had magnificent fucking results with male clients through squatting and deadlifting, through raising their testosterone, through monitoring their sleep habits, through monitoring their diet. Yeah. Things that, you know, and here's the thing about it. If you train towards, every goal that you train towards will benefit you in a physical sense of losing weight and looking better. Right. So that's a byproduct. The whole thing of like, oh, well, I want to have a six-pack abs and I want to have like, you know, cut arms. That's a byproduct of exercise, diet, sleep habits, hydration. You know, if you do these things, those things will follow suit. And the problem is people put the cart before the horse and they're like, oh, well, I want to have a six-pack, so I got to do a lot of sit-ups. And they end up fucking tightening up their hip flexors. No, yeah, and then yeah, you're all or causing of giving themselves back problems. Yeah, and then they're then, then the next thing. Oh, well, exercise isn't for me because exercise hurt. Exercise injures me. Here's a problem with exercise. Exercise is fucking unnatural. Exercise is totally fucking unnatural. When you say exercise, you mean like sort of our traditional idea of going down to a gym or something. And doing bench and press. And, yeah. Yeah. The, the gorillas putting, don't bench press. Putting yourself out of balance. Yeah. yeah. Gorillas don't bench press. Fucking gorillas don't squat. No. Horses don't fucking, horses don't do leg extensions. No. You know, dogs don't do military presses. And these are all great movements. Okay. These are all great movements. But what do horses, what do horses and bears and... No, they run. They play. They hang from shit. They fucking yeah. play. Yeah, totally. And that's the whole thing is the reason we have to exercise now is because we've forgotten how to move. Okay, so you exercise and you learn how to lunge. You learn how to squat. You learn to regain these patterns of movement back. Now that you've regained these patterns of movement, let's introduce some play. Now, here's a cool thing. We got some other people here that are getting introduced to this play too. Now you got some community. Now this is where your life gets better, okay? Because exercise on itself, I'll say one of the loneliest things you ever see, when you go by oh, like dude. a Planet Fitness and you see all these people on the ellipticals just like yeah, staring the at the thing. television set. Worst it's thing. fucking sad. It is. You know, I had, a, I had an Uber driver last night I was talking to and he goes like, well, I don't want to say it, but you know, I go to the gym, but it's really kind of, I'm like sad and depressing. He goes, yeah. I'm like, yeah, because it's sad and depressing. There's no joy in that. Nope. There's no fucking joy in that. 
There should be joy. We should celebrate movement. And that's what I love about jujitsu and judo and rock climbing and all the tennis and all these things. It's fun. There's some competition. There's some camaraderie. And we don't have enough of that. We're driven into ellipticals and cubicles. We are separated from people that we love or people that we could love. Absolutely. You know, and it ruins everything because we are pack animals. We are inherently pack animals. Even your most wannabe lone wolf alpha males. I am a lone wolf. Bullshit. You can't survive without another person. You can't. That's true. You know? Well, the few times I do go to an actual, like, you know, like a Planet Fitness or a Crunch or something like that, I I don't say two words to anybody. Like, you just go there. No one, everyone has. I intentionally go out of my way. When I go yeah. to the gyms like down on the road, I'll talk to people all the time. I will get hey, out good? probably. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? People need to be freaked out a little bit. Yeah. People need to be scared a little bit. <laughs> you know? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? You know? So a lot of times too though, I'll get people asking me like, oh, well, I, I watched you doing that. What, what is that? You know, I'll be doing like a Turkish getup with a dumbbell. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to do on yeah. the road. Yeah, and I'll explain. <laughs> I'll explain like to be able. Yeah. Well, this is a reason for it, and this is why. And like, oh, and you know, I won't be able to coach them, but I'll be like, I'll direct them towards someone like Jason C. Brown or John Hines or Zach Evanesh. Check this guy out online. You'll fucking love him. And you know what? If I can do that, and now here we go back to what Christ did. I'm being of service. I'm exposing something to somebody that they want, they don't know they love, and now this is putting that information in it. Now, it's their choice whether they want to apply that or not, yeah. but I'm doing the most I can to help this person. Like, you know, I had this one woman who came up to me and was like, I was doing a Turkish getup. She's like, what does that work? And I was like, everything. She's like, I want to know how to do that. So, so probably, I basically, I took the next 15 minutes to show her how to do a getup. And it's a pretty complicated movement to do right. You know what I mean? But like, there's so many ways to do yeah. it. There, here's a cool thing about it. There's no one way to do it. Right, and but I mean, in a way, that's yeah. not going to injure yourself, I mean. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can but, easily get hurt doing that unless you have you pay yeah. attention to what you're doing. Well, that's why you learn the basic formats. Yes. And then it's it's like playing jazz, dude. you got to know you got to know where the, where the modalities are so you can start to play outside of them. There are no wrong movements. There's misplaced movements. Like that whole thing about people like, oh, well, your knees should stay behind your toes. That's not true. That's not at all true. That was starting aerobics. Because people, oh, I've got knee problem. Because no one understood that they were giving everybody gluteal amnesia. Okay? Now, tell that to a tennis player or a basketball player. Yeah. You know? George George Hackenschmidt, the hack squat, you're on your fucking toes. Your knees are going out. You know? We we are capable of so much amazing movement. But the problem is that we, we're told, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't deadlift because it hurts your back. No. no, you hurt your back because you don't deadlift. And also, the body is a lot more pliable than like most people give it credit for. The body is tenaciously resistant. Yeah. We will always gravitate towards a state of homeostasis, a state of well-being. But I mean, through training different movements, though. I mean, what was that? There's a book out there. Um, There's a bunch. Becoming a Supple Leopard. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Supple yeah. Leopard. Yeah. Great book. There's some, there's, there's some, some flaws with that. There's, there's some flaws with that book, but there's yeah. flaws in every book. But I mean, the idea that really that put in my head was like being able to work certain certain positions past that range of motion that you think you're limited yeah. by. Yeah, you know? yeah, like yeah. Even like things like your ankles and your knees and all these like, you know, like well, doing... Diane, Diane Fu is in that book. Is she's just a friend of mine, 
And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that stuff, there's some very, very good science in there, but there's some stuff that's, they kind of, honestly, I think what happened is they got rushed to press on that. Okay. And they didn't get, um, I have like the, I have the reissue of it. They put out another one, which there's some stuff that they pulled out and they will continue to improve on that. But yeah. don't forget, we, it's a hypothetical field. It is a totally hypothetical field. And, uh, you know, there were, you know, people that, I mean, I'm trying to think about, you know, there's so many like different, like fads. I mean, let's talk fitness fads. It's like things like, uh, like the insanity workout. And this is, I mean, this boils down to like anything will work for up to six months, you know? And if you get someone who's desperate enough to buy one of those DVDs and put it in and follow those movements, they're going to get results within six months Yeah. because they're doing more movement. But the problem is the body adapts. Now they've hit that six month point, the body's adapted and they start to fall back into that cycle. They're not educated. We have to re-educate ourselves on these things. We have to allow ourselves different styles of movement. That's what I love about martial arts. Martial arts is like being in the greatest open relationship ever. <laughs> it is. Like, I can walk away from jiu-jitsu, and when I come back, jiu-jitsu will still be there. You know, I can walk away from Muay Thai. When I come back, Muay Thai will still be there. Want to know why? Because I'm not doing this for a living. I make a living as a teacher. Don't get me wrong. Right. Okay? But... I never discourage someone from being like, they're like, oh, well, I don't want to leave Muay Thai. It's not like you're leaving your child. Muay Thai has been established for years and there will be plenty of people from Muay Thai, you know? And people get this idea and they, they hold, you see people get, oh, well, I could have done that, but I would have missed training. Or I could have done this, but I would have missed training. Unless you're training for a fight specifically. If you're training for a fight, keep your nose to the grindstone. Do the fight. If you're training for a series of fight, keep your nose to the grindstone. But to be a well-balanced human being, I don't think a well-balanced human being is in the gym twice a day, seven days a week. Yeah, see, you know, I've been that unwell. I think I, I think I might fall into that category. I've, I've, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. And I mean, I have a hard time because I love my gym. My gym is fucking... I, it's a playground. I go there. I went there today. Me, Daria Albers, and Casey Borman. Oh, Daria. Yeah, yeah. She's in town right now. Cool. Uh, we went and trained this morning, and it was it was a blast. You know, Naomi was there with a couple clients, and I love the atmosphere that we've set up at that gym. You know? Yeah. It's like there's that thin line between, like, overtraining, too, because I noticed that even with myself. It's like I'll be in there, you know, I'll be doing, like, two hours a day or whatever. Then, mm -hmm. like, by the end of the week, I, my kicks just don't have that snap, and, like, my cardio even decreases a little yep. bit, too. Overtraining. Yeah. More is not better. More is just more. I'm starting to learn that. You yep. think by this stage of my life, I'd, I'd understand that. We're guys. We're pig-headed. Yeah. You know? We're, we're guys. Ask any girl. They'll know. They'll tell us way ahead of time. You know, oh, you're a guy. You're pig-headed. We are. We're stubborn. You Do know? you have anything online? Like, as far as, like, you know, a, a YouTube channel or something that takes you through some of these movements or anything? Um, we're YouTube developing, or? right now, we're developing our YouTube channel for PCC, which okay. uh, we want to get that together. Um, gradually just we had we recently like uh, while I was on the tour I got a call from uh, from Diego one of our uh, interns and he's like sir I have some bad news and he sends me a clip of smoke thank god I, I could read because I, I have friends who are in the fire department I could read what was going on with smoke is billowing out the bottom of the building oh, man. And I'm like okay well that's in the fire department that's in the motorcycle shop what's going on upstairs he, and the, thankfully we had no damage thankfully my neighbor downstairs had minimal damage but we had to, we, you know, the fire department came in. They did what they had to do. They, they smashed up. Well, they coughed yeah. and they coughed and cut the roof. Yeah. Okay. And then they, uh, they cut, they they vented the walls, which that's what they have to do for their their safety. And I understand that. Right. I was funny too because like 
they said like after the fire, um, Ariel Medina, my jujitsu instructor, and Naomi Kukson, they went through the and they took pictures of everything. And I saw the hole in the roof, and instantly I started. I was online in the van, looking up people to put in a skylight. <laughs> Never let a good crisis go away. Adaptability. Yeah, man. exactly. The the we, but we didn't get the skylight in. But I came back and it looked like nothing had happened. Oh, cool. My team is that good. Nice. You know, um, and the contractors we hired were fucking amazing. And that we hire, we're very much about hiring from within the hardcore scene. So it's kind of like um, there's a certain amount of pride that goes into that. Uh, but um, yeah, so that's been delayed, and we want to get that. And also, me being on tour is kind of tough because I am kind of the ringleader of the whole thing. So I can't ask them to do that. After we get back from Europe, I'm probably going to sit down. We're going to start putting stuff together on the YouTube channel because uh, you know we want to have it because our classes, our group classes, have started to develop to the point where it's like people are able to do the get up really well. Now we want to expand on that. Sure. Yeah. You know, people are able to swing really well. Now we want to expand on that. And then gradually we've got a couple of other things going on. Um, Jenny Livingston put together this idea of a class called hot and heavy, which is kind of a, it's an introductory class for women for weightlifting. It's weightlifting and bodybuilding kind of stuff, you know, because quite honestly, women, once you're hitting 28 to 20, 28 to 30, it's the idea is to putting on some kind of muscle mass because that helps to burn fat. It helps to increase the metabolism. Yeah. And women are less and less. And they've, they've started to realize that despite what the industry tells them, they're not going to look like bodybuilders. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's always a big hang-up I think a lot of women have. Is like they well, don't it's because women are preyed on in the fucking fitness industry. Like, yeah. oh, you know, you have these fucking jackasses like Tracy Anderson... Oh, don't do that movement because that will make you blocky and bulky and this, that. It's a crock of shit. Her and Gwyneth Paltrow, in my opinion, I mean, they, they, should, they, they should be issued a gag order in the fitness industry. They have no concept of what they're talking about. Gwyneth Paltrow has... Gwyneth uh, Paltrow is one of, her, one of her big advocates of, oh, she's the reason that I'm so skinny. Well, Gwyneth, you're not exactly the healthiest looking woman on the planet. Yeah, I was just going to say. You man. know? Yeah. This. Yeah, I mean... You want a woman who looks healthy and who's like on in years. Let's look at okay, Lucy Lawless, who used to be Xena Warrior Princess. Yep, looks you know, great. Looks amazing. Yeah. She was you in know? uh, you know, uh, that the, the new Evil Dead, Ash Ash versus the Evil Dead. She was yeah. in that. Yeah, so yeah I great. mean, let's let's look to women who, you know, Jessica Rucker from Monkey Bar Gym, who is I mean, I'm sorry for saying this, she's early forties. She looks like she's fucking late twenties. She yeah. looks amazing. You know, because she is, and this is a woman who was was a was a professional model. Like she is taking care of herself in the right way, and she's done the full transformation. I mean, she she started out as a professional model with skinny fat. Yeah, with just know? that unhealthy, like, yeah. bony. I mean, look there are her. proper female role models out there, but the problem is the press does not bring them to the light. Into the light, they want to show you these little. The, the, these girls who are like, you know, oh well, all women should be 110 pounds. My black ass. Most of my female friends are full-grown adult women who are, you know, 125 and up to, like, 170. Yeah. You know, and these are competitive athletes, you know. Granted, I'm not saying, like, oh, a woman shouldn't be. No, no. I've got some I've got some very athletic friends in the 110s, this, that, and that. But these women are, these women are athletes, you know. Women, women are preyed on in the fitness industry, and it's very unfair it's, I mean, it's gross. It's, it's, it's really criminal how they're treated, how they're condescended to, and how they're basically connived into buying products and, you know, 
purchasing things that they don't fucking need. You know. Well, that that's one of the the whole commerce element of things. Like there's there's thousands of products out there you can buy that allegedly help you, and you know all no. this other stuff, man. Yeah, no, supplement absolutely. companies and all absolutely. That. I'll tell you one thing right now, and it's relatively free. We don't drink enough water. You know, drink more water. You know, you should be drinking up to up to six liters a day. Your piss should always be clear. You should be able to read through it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Your piss should always be clear. My dad, actually, who I just recently now has just started, uh, you know, drinking a lot more water. Yeah. He's like, I think there's something wrong with me. Right. My, my piss is like really clear. No, there's something right with you, now. Dad. You're finally doing something right. <laughs> well, that goes back to the old saying: when you're wrong, what's right feels wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, but we're not. You know. So what? Uh, who? Just maybe run through real quick. What trainers you got? Like what people you got working there? Like who your, your jiu-jitsu coaches are? Oh, my jiu-jitsu coach is Ariel Medina. He's ex-team Quest. He was Terry Sokaju's sparring partner. Um, he's out of Barham in San Diego. He's originally from Michigan. Uh, he's. He's, I mean, everybody that works for me is family. Um, and he was one of the blessings that came to me. When I was training at Clockwork, we became friends. He was friends with Josh Griffiths, who's, you know, wants, Josh is another person. Yeah. Josh very different on the podcast, like, very a couple years ago. Yeah. I love Josh. Great guy. Um, Josh, Russ, Sebastian, all those guys at Clockwork are family. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ariel is amazing. He's also, he, he came to us as a jiu-jitsu instructor, and he started doing strength training, and we kind of turned him over into like he understands our concepts how we go about it and it's improved his movement it's improved his strength levels you know um naomi kook's on who's uh she's she's a competitive she's a competitive fighter right now she's kind of like she's not fighting right now she's just working on on, on developing her clientele um she works also at for my friend larry betts who owns brooklyn athletic yeah, Club. i know i know yeah larry really yeah well, and uh um, she's an amazing coach, amazing Muay Thai coach. That's one of the things too, is that all of my coaches are, they're martial arts instructors as well as nationally certified. And I'm not talking like, oh, strong first or RKC, like they're NSCM. They're like legitimate nationally certified strength coaches. Um, Jenny Livingston, who is our yoga instructor, Pilates instructor is also another nationally accredited strength coach. Um, Zach Dom, who is, he's building and building more and more content. I'm getting more and more hits because the stuff that he puts out is he's become a master of like explosive exercises and really, really not just explosive, like, oh, look how explosive it is. He's super safe about how he goes about his teaching methodology, which is something that we're very, very adamant about. It's like, it's great to be able to do this stuff, but you want to be able to do it safely. Yeah. And I don't think there's enough safety in you know, people get hurt too much, and we. I just got hurt. Yeah, <laughs> we get people coming in, and they're they're injured, and uh, we have a few. We have a few. There's a few secrets which I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you any of them. There are secrets. There are things that we use as calibrations, and we use as barometers, and we can usually tell by the time we take someone's shoes off and have them take a walk down the floor, what's going on, what's wrong. Yeah, and it's not. I didn't, I didn't invent this. I, like again, I'll quote Tate Fletcher. I'm not that smart. I've stolen from brilliant people. I've stolen from Martin Rooney. I've stolen from fucking John Hines. I've stolen from fucking Pollockin. I've stolen from the best. You know. Yeah, when I go to my my PT without physical physical therapy with uh, with Fabian, 
Uh, yeah. One of the things he does is he just watches me walk around the room yep. for a while to see like you know what what what's problems problematic, how my healing's coming along, yeah. how my recovery. So yeah, I mean, that's that's a common sort of uh, yeah. you know within that sector of training and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know even our interns, um, we have this one kid who's he's worked with us since he was 15 years old, and when he first came into us, he wanted to strength train, and I was at Chalk Sabai at the time, and. I wasn't about to teach him how to do a Turkish getup. I was like, okay. We took a tire, we loaded it up with sand, and we gave him two 24K kettlebells. This is what you're doing. You're going to drag this. You're going to drag this down. You're going to flip it back. You're going to pick these up, carry them down, carry it back. Then you're going to run down and run back. Do that for the next 20 minutes and come talk to me. For 20 minutes, that's a long time, man. That's a long round. Yeah. Wow. You know, he didn't go the whole time. Yeah. He took a break, you know, but gradually, he could go through it all the way through. It's basic periodization. It's basic, just, you know, it's basic progressive overload. And, uh, and you know, he's one of our interns who's just at the point of certifying and becoming a coach. And I couldn't be prouder of this kid. He's fucking, he's brilliant. He's become an amazing, amazing individual. He's in college for physical therapy. You know, um, you know the interns, the two interns that we have right now, which we are looking for more interns... This one other kid, Diego, who's basically kind of left on her doorstep in a way, a matter of speaking. And uh, he's a really sweet kid who just loved, loved martial arts. And he comes in every day I come in. And if he's not cleaning the gym or, or experimenting, his face is in a book. He's reading, you know, and that's what I want. I want people that want to educate themselves. You know, that's really super important. Um you know, and then right now Daria Albers is in town who's, you know, I don't know if a lot of people are, she's world-class elite level female competitive uh, kickboxer. Um, she's also, uh, she's a master, she's got a master's in uh, systematic coaching, which oh, is, uh, okay. you know, it's basically like life coaching for CEOs. She's, she's a brilliant woman. Um, and it's good because we use that on, on our coaches. You know, is she part of the staff or just she's like, she's she's a, she's a coach. Oh, great! She's one of our coaches. Like nice. she lives in Germany, but she is one of our coaches. Yeah, you know, she teaches class. We're gonna be doing a, we're setting up a workshop for her uh, within the next couple weeks. I think after I get back from Europe. Right on. Um, yeah, and that's that's basically right now what the staff is. We have a small staff, and we have a small gym. Gradually, we plan on growing, and we will as as we grow. We just got to the point where we've realized that the gym can operate without me having to be there, which is good. Um, you know, they cover all my clients. You know, um, I don't have because of what's going on with the band. I have a, I don't have a lot of time. You know, any of the time that I that I need to do to spend in the gym is mostly in administrative right now. You know, administ- are, are you available for classes too? Like I teach. Around? I do teach classes. Okay. Um, I'm very sparing with the amount of uh, private clients I'm taking right now I just took someone on which I mean they're paying an extremely high rate and I, mean, I, I, yeah. I they're they're an out call and I get thick triple digits to do that because it's you know it's it, it, it requires a lot of time right um, but I'm not really looking to take on too many more clients I, I'm you know I, if I do quite honestly they'll probably be pro bono athlete mm-hmm. clients mm-hmm. you know because I love to work with you know, like there's people that I work with, like I work with Gaius Ebrat from Five Points. Um, you know, uh, I've been working with Eric Olson, which has been a real, like 
really interesting. And Eric Olson is an extremely controversial individual. Um, and I've gotten some static because of it, but I couldn't give a fuck less. Uh, um, you know, and that, then <coughs> Greg Rowe, who's over in Thailand, he comes and works with me every once in a while. Um, you know, there's any number of people, you know, Elijah Clark I've worked with. Um, <coughs> and then, you know, right now we've got some kids on our jiu-jitsu program who are talking about competing, which I want to start working with them on that. You know, it's like... That's awesome. It's fun stuff. I yeah, love man. what I do, you know. <coughs> if I, I never thought I'd end up being, you know, doing this for a living, which is incredible. So um, how can people get at you? Like, uh, you got, you know, all the social media stuff. <laughs> like, what's uh, what's the best way? <coughs> Easiest way is Gavin Van Vlack at uh, Facebook. Okay. Hit me on Facebook. Um, that or physicalculturecollective at gmail.com. Or um, Instagram, GVV Strong. Yeah, you got a lot of cool stuff on Instagram. Yeah, so that always varies between whatever I'm doing. Like if I'm in the gym a lot, it's a lot of fitness-based stuff. If I'm on the road, it's you know it's a lot of road-based stuff. Yeah. So, um, but those are the best ways to get in touch with me. You know, Twitter is all well and good. Tumblr is all well and good. But <coughs> musically, um, Instagram, Burn New York Hardcore. Okay, I didn't realize that guy yep. had that one. All right. Instagram, GVV Strong. Uh, my, you know, the gym's Gmail address, which is Physical Culture Collective. Again, Physical Culture Collective at gmail.com or Gavin Van Vlack at Facebook. Cool. Well, Gavin, good luck in Europe. Thanks. Thank you so All much. Right, brother. And uh, thanks for taking some time this afternoon. Never a problem. All right. Cool. Thanks.